Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Jim the Thrill Stam. How you doing, brother? <laughs> oh, man, Gary, I like that. Um, yeah, man, I'm good. And uh, not to put too much pressure on our guests today, but we've got an all-star crew today. It's it is a big beastly show. It is we're we're stacked today because uh, returning to the show this week we have our buddy James Littleton live from West by God Virginia and he's proud as hell he's wearing their jacket today. Oh yeah, James, good to have you back, man. It was great to see you at the live show. Thanks for having me, Gary. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been, brother. And uh, finally, I'd like to welcome my friend Ethan Smith. He is the host of Locked On Pirates, and many of you know him from listening to my, well, mostly weekly hits yeah, on Mondays with him. And uh, Ethan, glad to have you on today, brother. How you doing? Doing good, man. Can't complain. Yeah, it's nice to be on the other side of the uh, the other side of the coin this time. I'm the guest this time, so it's a little different. <laughs> yeah, I know it's uh, something we talk about like just about every Monday. He'll call he calls me up, and we're like. What are we talking about today? <laughs> Honestly. it's uh, It's been tough. Today is not one of those days. The news is flying. No, it isn't. I mean, boys, I know I sent you out topics this week, and, and maybe we'll get to them. We'll see how this flows, but maybe we won't. Every once in a while, a news story breaks, and I feel like it touches so many topics, it just can't be ignored. I mean, I'm talking about Juan Soto saying he was offered 13 years, $350 million by the Nationals before the lockout, and he said no. Which, man, not most people in this country could fathom saying no to that, huh? Um, for those of you keeping score, that's about $27 million per until he's 36 years old. He'll be a free agent in 2025. He says he still thinks of Washington as a place where he would like to spend the rest of his career. So we'll see. And then a, a sentence later says, but right now my agents and I think the best option is to go year by year and wait for free agency. My agent 
Scott or someone do the uh, Darth Vader music in the background. Has control over the situation. Boy, does he ever. This story's got everything. And I think the best way to start here is first take from this story, and I don't care what direction you want to take it. Jim, co-host duties, you get to go first while the guests get to think for a second. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll just say this. I think it's smart on Juan Soto's part to say, nope. Not even close. I'm not doing it. Um, I'll play uh, the short game here, which for him is not that far away. And I think he knows the money's going to be there, and I think he knows more money's going to be there. And, um, you know, I'll take it from the player's perspective. I think it's really smart on his part. He has really very little incentive in my mind at this point to take the money other than, okay, great, he's got – uh, some assurances that he'll never, you know, he should never be poor. But dude, the dude's gonna get paid, and he's in. He he'd be he'd be short selling himself at this point. So, I mean, from a player standpoint, I get it. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely see that side of the coin too. So, James, I'll go to you. I mean, I know that Boris is one of your trigger words. So. I figured I'd let you have a visceral reaction. Uh, I mean, Boris likes to set records, and three fifty does or thirteen years, whatever three three fifty doesn't set records. That's what he's about. That's what he was about with a rod in Texas. That's just what he does. Uh, but I right. think uh, Washington came in about a, a hundred million under what they needed to to maybe get a deal done. Um, that's just. Not a realistic yeah. number offering him that twenty-seven a year. Uh, on Soto's side, I mean, he's turning turning away guaranteed money. Three years from now, he could have two bad knees. Uh, who knows what else wrong with him? And that money's gone. I mean, he's betting on himself. That's, I mean, I like that. But that's. I mean, those are common themes that you and Jim share. I think. I think. I think. That's something that most reasonable people can see is the player side of this thing. You know, why, why, would, why wouldn't he bet on himself, right? But, Ethan, you know, you're you're a different generation than everybody else on this call. You know, you're a little younger. You're probably a little bit more used to this being 100% part of your sports environment. Mm-hmm. What are your takes on this, man? So the first thing initially that I thought of whenever, of course, he was a, he's a Washington National is I thought about his former teammate, Max Scherzer. And you mentioned the money already that he's getting yearly. Scherzer just made more than that on the deal with the Mets, and Scherzer's in his late 30s. So why, again, would Soto, who, as you've already mentioned, is going to be 26 when he's a free agent, if he just replicates what he did this year with what he did, the next two, even two Which out of the next three years. stupid numbers, by the way. Stupid numbers. Yeah, so he doesn't even have to replicate that. He could be like 70% of that over the next two out of the next three years. And he still should garner, I'd say, like uh, he said, like $450 million. And, I mean, Tatis got that kind of money, too. So, I mean, it, I, I don't mind the player betting on himself. But, of, of course, there is the caveat that what happens if he does get hurt. But I also don't think with him being 26 years old that an injury is going to be the biggest problem in him getting ultimately what he wants payment-wise. But I might be young, but Boris, again, is a trigger word for a lot of people. 
across generations. Trust me. It's a trigger word for a lot of people. <laughs> well, but, I mean, let me just say this too, though. Like, and yeah, I mean, you are rolling the dice from a health perspective, but unless he has, you know, a, a Teddy Bridgewater type catastrophic knee injury type deal, which is what he suffered in the NFL. And your, your, your situation is, is, is going to be that poor or unknown, or you wake up tomorrow with um, the worst back problems a 23 year old could ever have. I think you're pretty, I mean, look at, you're going to see like guys like Acuna. He's, he's going to be back. He's going to be fine. I don't think it's going to cost. I mean, I don't think it'll cost him anything. Now, even if he suffered an injury like that, he'd probably still come out no worse. So I, I just think that like, what's the incentive? So I just wanted to put that out there that in baseball, you know, we're not talking about some of the, the horrific injuries you might see in, in say the NFL or something like that. Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess I should give my initial take on this too. I, oh yeah, Gary, how about you? My first thought on this one was really that first that kind of money is is insane to turn down at that age. I'm glad that he did because I think you know, um, and it's you know, others are reporting that he's got a good shot to be the first player to ever get a 500 million dollar contract, and I know. Um, People will say Patrick Mahomes, but we're we're talking about like guaranteed five hundred million dollar contract. That's never happened. I think he could probably do it. He's the right age. He started early enough. You know, being twenty six, good shot, good shot. He he's going to clear that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if he can stay healthy for a couple more seasons and not have Washington kill him, um, yeah, he he really could do it. I don't begrudge him that. I don't begrudge him easily. I ran some quick numbers. I ran some quick numbers today, and I mean, just with three years of ARB, and they did ten years of forty million a year after that. That's at four sixty-seven, approximate. So I mean, he's really close to five hundred. He's easily going to get that, I think, on the open market. There's always that one stupid team. Yeah, I completely agree. The thing is, I don't begrudge him that. But it brings up more questions for me than than just uh, do I like it, do I not, do I support the player, do I think that the team should have to pay that much. To me, it's more about I I already know he's going to go to free agency. Boris is going to make that happen. And uh, if he doesn't, then Washington will overpay. Like if it could be 500, it'll be 510. He'll get his money. He'll get this contract done. But when we have that conversation about where he goes, there will be three, four teams we talk about. Period. When something like this happens in the NFL, there's a a major free agent out there. Almost every team could do anything to make that happen. We talk scoffingly about the Steelers getting Aaron Rodgers, right? We do. I mean, we know that's not going to happen. But you know it could. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference when you're a baseball fan in most markets. Let's talk after we come back from the break a little bit more about the fingers that this story has into everything else that's going on in baseball.
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, and welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. And... uh, next thing we want to continue on is the, the Juan Soto situation a little bit. And I, I wanted to talk about the salary we expected him to get. I do expect it to be up in the 500 range. You know, you have out there right now Mookie Betts 365 for 12 years. Um, Mike Trout is 360 over 10 years. So I think, what did you say uh, Tatis was, Jim? Uh, 14 and 340, which just, you know, that just recently happened too, so. Right. So, you know, it's clear Juan Soto is going to get more than that. He's, he deserves it. Get what you can, right? Um, the the problem with the league, though, is much like the other leagues where, where somebody goes on the market, most teams can make a pitch for him. In, in MLB, that's not the case. And we're talking teams that really spend money, too, like would not be able to flirt with that. Like, the Rangers spent a bunch of money. They couldn't spend that money. That's reserved for a few teams. There's the Dodgers, the Mets, the Yankees, and Cubs, maybe. Do the Red Sox even spend that kind of money? They they can and have, but I don't know they would. Yeah, you, you got, like, that second tier that one of them could get frisky and try to go for that. But, yeah, I think you are down to probably those three or four. Yeah, and and that's the way baseball is structured right now. And, I mean, you can take this conversation anywhere you want. You can say that simple fact is part of the problem with this league. I can say that I think a salary cap would fix that. But I can also sit here and tell you honestly, a salary cap would probably eliminate the possibility of somebody getting a $500 million contract. You know, I, I just it's it's disingenuous for me to sit here and say that a salary cap would exist and somebody be getting that kind of money. So how do I justify openly wanting a cap knowing what I'm asking of, of a player like Juan Soto that deserves every red cent somebody would offer him? And Ethan, I'll start with you on that. I mean, exactly. I mean, it would create better diversity in the league in terms of how many teams you would have contending, how many teams would, like, you know, not tank anymore. You would, uh, again, we'll get into it later about the playoff stuff that started today as well, about how more teams would have a better shot at the playoffs. And that would just create a well more rounded league. But 
at the end of the day, when you have a player like a Juan Soto, or even if he wasn't signed yet, a Wander Franco or the next great prospect or great player like that, the salary cap just wouldn't allow you to pay this guy what he ultimately deserves, which then creates an inherent problem of players feeling like they're not getting paid enough, which is a reason we're in a lockout already is because the players don't feel like they're getting paid enough. So at the end of the day, it's just two sides of the coin, and realistically, you just might have to pick one. Yeah, I mean, Jim, it's something that I know you struggle with too. We both do, talk man. about cap. I do. We both, we both think like basically we've diagnosed the disease. We think we've found a cure, but we don't necessarily want to kill what we have to kill to do that. So how do you justify this? Like, how do you even have this conversation with yourself? I, I, I mean, I, I think it, it, what I, what I ultimately end up saying is, is that, um, and it sounds cliche, but I really don't think it is. Is you talk about just the health of the game, um, and to me, that that that's ultimately all we have to like judge it on. It, it, you know, when when all is said and done, and you're looking at the product, and you're looking at you know, what has come of the current uh, CBA that's been in place or what they've done in baseball for so long. And then you start to compare it to other things and other leagues and how, how, how they distribute money and whatnot. To me, it just comes down to, are, are we seeing the best overall product that we possibly can? And I don't treat it like it's a regular business because of those, you know, because of all these factors. So to me, it comes down to, you know, is the game healthy? And right now, this is not a healthy game. And so you've got to, both sides have to realize that if you don't keep the, uh, the integrity of the game, the competition where it needs to be, um, and you're just in it for the bottom dollar, which... I know that that's essentially what ends up happening a lot of times on both sides too. on both sides. Yeah. yeah. Like, look, I mean, players want paid they should and owners, you know, they have a right to do what they want to do. But I just look at it like, look around, look around at this game right now. It, yeah. It, I mean, it's ugly. It's it, James. I think for me, I justify it because yeah, that's that's incredible he can get that kind of salary. But for what this system is doing to the game, I think it's it's a dying thing. I don't see these salaries continuing to, to skyrocket forever and ever and ever. I feel like they're going to start to come back to the mean a little bit, especially after we start seeing some of these 10 and 14 year contract arcs play out when we start really seeing the returns that people are getting when they're eventually trying to move Fernando Tatis with seven years left at 30 million a year. (laughs) What do you think of this? I think some of the teams have learned about giving those big contracts out. I mean, you look at the Miguel Cabrera contract and that's killing Detroit. Uh, The Pujols contract with the angels I mean, he wasn't worth that the last few years. I don't think they ever really got value for him. So I think. I mean, devil's teams... advocate on De- devil's advocate on Detroit. <clears throat> they, they pay. Yeah, they paid him a lot of money, but 
he was nothing more than a goodwill ambassador when they tore everything else around him down to, to do what they're doing right now, which is building back up. Yeah, but so, I mean, I, I, I did he hurt they them really? They regret that, I'm sure, the last couple of years. They could have taken that money, spent it elsewhere, and maybe been competitive. But having, I don't know what their payroll was this past year, but probably 30% of their payroll tied up into one player, um, approximately, I'm guessing. I mean, yeah, that's. I hear what you're saying, man. I was just playing devil's advocate. I mean, as a fan, I hate teams giving these long, guaranteed contracts. I mean, you see the, the big numbers in the NFL, but they can get out from underneath them if they need to at a certain point. But there's just no getting un- out from underneath an albatross contract in, the, um, in, the, in Major League Baseball. You've got that for for years. And so it's a big part of me that You brought Strasburg a little bit ago. He's another one. He's always going to be hurt. He's, I mean, that's yeah, just, but they just re-upped him knowing that. that that's, you know what I mean? Like, they just moved heaven and earth to keep him. Can you can you remind me who his that. agent is? Who was his agent when that happened? Oh, I have no idea. I really don't. The I'm point sure is, the point is they they moved heaven and earth to, to keep him. And, and they overpaid because they, they knew they had to because of the agent. Right. I mean that's probably on the expectation that it would lead to them being able to keep Soto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it might not play out that way, huh? Doesn't sound like <laughs> it. Got, Ethan, how many times do people keep keep going back to the well and making deals with the devil? <laughs> too, too many. But also to kind of bring this into the Pirates fold of what you were just talking about as well, say O'Neill Cruz pops on the scene for one or two years, maybe even three years, right? Say he's putting yeah. up half of what Juan Soto is putting up and then maybe has like a ridiculous year. Just saying O'Neill Cruz, not saying like anybody. Would Pirates fans justify giving O'Neill Cruz a 10-year contract? I would love to see it happen. I'll believe it when I see it. Yep. I don't. I don't think that this market would ever do that. No. And uh, even if I, even if I can legitimately tell you they should, I don't think they would do something like that without a salary floor. If I'm honest with you, I 100%. think that's when they would do something like that. When they know that X amount of dollars have to go out the door no matter what anyway, mm-hmm. that's when I think they'd bother doing something like that. And, I mean, I've told you before, I think Brian Reynolds would have already been signed to an extension if there was a salary floor. Sure. I mean, Jim, if the if we, if we kind of agree that the game needs to change and we kind of agree that, that we don't want the players to lose money <clears> – <throat> We kind of agree that the owners aren't spending all the money that they could be spending. I mean, I, I'm out of answers, really, on, on what yeah. to expect anymore. Well, you know, and I think, too, like, here's here's something that has been bothering me uh, as this has been going on, is that it feels to me like the owners are really um, – just trying to break the players union right now, almost, you know, like they're, they're, they're set on reestablishing a firm line here. They're not going to negotiate, renegotiate. They feel like this is the chance for them to send that message. Now, isn't that interesting though? Because you and I just were, we were just talking to Greg Olson a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. What, what was the one thing he said to us about this whole situation? 
he said uh, that the players had had pitifully lost the last two negotiations. And here yeah. you are basically saying that that the owners are reestablishing their dominance that the players, including former players, already feel they've had for the last two. I I know. I think when you it's it it is interesting we have talked to some former players and you know if you if and you hear uh, I, I follow some on Twitter and social media in general and they they really do feel that they have been held over a barrel for a long time and um, that they have already given so much. And um, to me, uh, quite, quite honestly, um, you know, uh, I don't know if that's legitimate or if that's just what they're being fed from their the representatives. I don't know. I, I, it gets so confusing, and that's where I get held up on because I do think the owners, everything they're saying is, is you know, they want to get this thing addressed. But here we are with what five, six meetings in seventy-four days of a, a lockout that they've imposed. Any time that anything is offered, they uh, they ask to cut jobs. Um, so it's it, it it just it's just frustrating because. I don't think we're dealing with uh, them being all that honest on their side, and that makes me frustrated because I think they're their own worst enemy at times. Especially since I know you came into this whole thing thinking that they had um, nailed on reason to want to play. And, you know, I remember that was some of the things we disagreed on with this whole thing is I felt like they didn't. Like now is the time to, to push back and not uh, give in here. But it seems like they don't care about the money, really. And it seems to me like they're angling towards trying to miss games. Ethan, where are you at on that? I mean, again, like I have said before on my podcast, I don't think we're getting baseball <clears throat> until Labor Day. I don't think they really care about losing games. I think they're fine with it. I don't think, and as you already mentioned, I don't think they care about losing the money either. Everybody wants to bring up the lost money from the COVID year, but. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys have other parts of like, you know, influxes of money that they get and they're going to want to keep the game the way they want to keep it. And are we going to ever get to that like that median where the players and the owners are both happy? No, I just think there's going to end up being a time where the players get fed up. They're going to want to play baseball and the owners are going to stick right where they want to stay and they'll maybe compromise a little bit. And at the end of the day, the players will end up almost in the same spot that they were in when this whole thing began in the first place. I mean, very well said. And James, one thing I wanted to ask you about in particular to kind of close this topic out before we move into our next segment. You, you often say that you see the players kind of just wanting a win this time. What Absolutely. do you mean by that? What does that really they, look like to you? I mean, I want them. I think they want to come out of this and say we got what we wanted here. We got it. Now, I mean, they keep saying that they want more money, but if they wanted more money, they would just demand a salary cap. I mean, that would instantly give them more money. Instantly. I don't think that's it. I think they just want to be able to come out and say they won the negotiation. Because if they come out with a cap, even with more money, that's still a loss in a lot of people's eyes. If the players come out with a cap, they've lost. Even it doesn't matter how much seven more percent money because I think they come in right around forty three 
percent of revenue. So if they got a cap at 50 percent, yeah, they get 7 percent more money. But I mean, they've lost because they had to settle for a cap. They want to come out of the saying we got what we wanted from the owners, even if it's something little like an extra year of arbitration or where right. they say they wanted 80 percent. And it's important that it's one of the owner's sacred cows, too. Right. Yeah. It can't just be anything. It has to be one of the owner's yeah, sacred It has cows. to be one of the things that the owners have said they're not going to budge on. Right. And, and so, I mean, start, of it's, starting to feel, it's starting to feel like an impasse, though, right now. I just don't see any kind of movement on anything material. And that that should make you feel pretty pretty uh, afraid for the future, the immediate future of the game. I, I do think that we are going into a little bit of a – of an extended lockout here. And I don't think we're going to come out of it with the right kind of changes to the game. <laughs> so, um, not, cer- I guess- not certainly what we want in Pittsburgh. That's for sure. I mean, they're no. Mark, you know, so, um, well, the other, the other revelation that came out, like not very long ago here was, I think it was, uh, I want to say Evan Drulick from ESPN reported that, the players get to see a, um, an audited version of the uh, income for the teams. So they have a kind of modified open books. That's something I never knew before, and that kind of changes a few things for me because the players do kind of understand that revenue stream a little bit better than I was under the impression they were. I didn't, so, I didn't know that. I did not know that that was to them, to to uh, in their, um, you know, scope of things that they could see. Now, my question would be, man, you can you can cook books and make numbers look uh, pretty well, they're, good. They're I, independently are, are um, audited before they uh, go to the players, so they, that it, it seemed pretty straight up. The only thing that they weren't uh, including into that information was. Um, some of the money they make from outside interests like parking or things like that. But the game itself, it, what, what's made from the team and everything, that changes some things for me. That's something I didn't know the players had that kind of vision into. So it makes me feel like maybe I should take their asks a little more seriously. You know, like maybe they actually know what they're asking for a little bit more than, than I've given them credit for in the past. Because of that little nugget. And to be fair, Jim, it came out in the last couple of weeks when you've been kind of preoccupied. So, Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll, you're right. The first thing, because it is new to me, um, when you said that, immediately I thought, does that legitimize their, their, their argument a little bit on some of the things that they're, that they're asking for? It's the first thing because they're getting that kind of look. It, it makes you it makes you question it, right? Yeah. So when they're when they're saying um, no, it's absolute crap that you're not paying this. Maybe, maybe it's a little more absolute crap than I've always assumed. I've always assumed they're asking for the sun, moon, and stars, and really only wanted the moon. Now maybe maybe I feel like they want the moon and the stars, and they should it- be able to get that. You know, <laughs> yeah, and 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 you know, it, it is fair to ask, you know, and this may make James's hair catch on fire, and that would be amazing if you are uh, watching this right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, are 
the owners even being sincere when they talk about some of the things they're talking about and they just cloaking it under things like you know competition and things of that nature where in the, at the end of the day they really just want to save the money and and put more money in their pockets you know are they really concerned about some of these things that they say they are hmm i don't know yeah i mean ethan did that change anything for you when you got that little nugget of information I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, because at the end of the day, like everybody thought until you just told me that until like found out about it, I thought the players were just blindly saying, oh yeah, you need to pay more and do this and that. But now if that's true, that's not blind. That is me being able to look at a piece of paper and see what you're spending on paper. And I mean, as you said, like, okay. Within reason. Yeah, within reason. It's not 100% open, but yeah. Yeah, and I mean, again, like, too, who cares about parking expenses? I mean, they might make a lot of money off of it, but that's not going to be paying your players $500 million. Don't, that's that's for sure. Yeah. Hey, well, we I, I guarantee Bob gave him that page. Oh, yeah. He was probably like, yeah, here you go. <laughs> He's like, let me throw that one in there real quick. But I mean, we don't make, Bob was like, we ain't made nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and, he, and he said it proud, too. He had that page. It was just like nothing. Yeah, literally, so, literally, yeah, it was just one page, <laughs> and it said parking uh, parking expenses and profit, and it was just in big 128 times New Romans font, nothing. No, he, he put in it how much they've been charging the players to park at PNC. Yep, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, James, what does that change for you, brother? I mean, like, that's something that we haven't known in the past. That was the first time I've ever seen that reported. It, I mean, with it surprises me in one thing that the there there are certain outspoken players that are on the negotiating team, and I'm really surprised that they haven't pushed some of those numbers in the media more. So, I mean, Cole is pretty outspoken. Uh, Andrew Miller gave a an interview which left me with more questions than it did answers. But I mean, I thought these guys were like, "Look, we know you're making this much money. I mean, we know this. So why?" I mean, I just don't understand why they continue to keep it like hush hush about how much money they know that the owners are getting. I yeah, mean, it's uh, it, it it's weird because you're right that if it's leverage they have, they're not using it very well. I mean, if I was if yeah. I were the players, I'd be like, I would just draw up a spreadsheet. We know this is how much each team brings in, approximately. What's the problem? Well, no matter how you look at it, it's weird, and it changes some some of my thought processes a little bit. And it, it, it should at least give you pause, right? It should. It should at least make you consider that that maybe you need to modify your thinking just a little bit. But um, I think we should probably wrap up the show talking about something that they actually do agree on, oddly enough, and that would be the new playoff structure. Because man, that's. Uh, It's weird. I don't know. Let's take another quick break. Back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network uh, with Ethan, who just dropped something and probably he's broke angry. his computer. He's, he's throwing just, stuff already, man. Still throwing stuff because of the whole labor dispute, and, and we got you got James. He's 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 in West Virginia, so 
you know, he's angry too because of that mostly. And uh, you got Jim stuck in a nice storm on location. (laughs) So, hey, I figured the last thing we should talk about here a little bit is what these teams actually agree on because, you know, we just spent, you know, the majority of the show ripping apart everything they can't come together on. And the MLB playoff format is apparently set. (laughs) And uh, seven playoff teams per league. Teams with the best record get a bye and go to the division series. Top remaining division winner gets to pick their opponent from the four wildcard teams and plays the best of three all games at home. And the third division winner does the same. So I guess let's do thoughts. (laughs) James, what do you think, brother? Because it's definitely different. I like it. On the surface, I mean, I'm happy to get rid of the one card wild card. Yeah, I I, I like it. Um, from first glance, I, I need more specifics, but I like that teams get to pick their opponents. I think that creates some intrigue and strategy. Um, I think it gives. You a think it's gonna be like WWE? Oh, I hope dude, they, thank you, Gary. Thank you. That's exactly I, I what they, I thought when I heard it. I hope <laughs> they make it into a, a TV show. Uh, where the where the the general manager, whoever's going to pick, goes out and has to like do something like Ooh, stab brother. I'm taking down the twins this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Ethan, does this do anything for you? Are you excited for the TV show? That's what this is all about. Right? So, so here, here, when I saw this, the first thing I thought of was now that you use the WWE reference and thank you for leading into this because I was going to say this beforehand. Do you guys, re- I can't think of his name all of a sudden now, but the old SmackDown uh, general manager how wait a minute, player. Like I'm waiting for them. I'm waiting for him to come out and have a team, like a team picks the team they want to play. And he just comes out and he's like, nah, you're actually going to be playing the Reds or like some random team. Now this is going to be great, James. This is going to be great until the Pirates have the first or one of those spots. And then they pick a team to play and gets like lose the first two games at PNC Park. This will be great until that happens. But I mean, I like the intrigue behind it because you can go back and look on how you did against cert- those certain teams on the year. You can look at the matchups that you're going to be facing ahead of time. And I also like, I think the most with that incentive, I like that they're, all the games would be at home. There's none of that needless, oh, play two games, travel, play two more games, travel again. It's just... You're going right here. It's a normal yeah. three-game series, like how it normally would be. All the games are in the same place, and the home team obviously gets the clear advantage as a division winner. The, I mean, I kind of don't hate that either, but Jim, you, this is not the baseball we grew up with. We remember when only the division winners went to the playoffs. You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, what do you think of this? You know, I don't want to. I geez, I, I'm so glad James was on the other side of it because I really expected him to be, you know, like me being a crusty old dude about it. I, I, I don't like it. I think it's way too many teams in in the postseason in baseball. I, uh, you know, you're talking what 14 of 30 will now be making the postseason for a 162 game season. I just I, and and I think what it's doing for me, I just think it's fool's gold for a lot of baseball and throwing them a bone, knowing that we're never going to get to the point where there's uh, a true even 
level, you know, playing field. And so this is what they're going to give people. And I just don't see it as being uh, very legitimate. So, um, you know, does it make fans happier? Probably. But I just don't see it as being anything that really changes things for wanting to see a championship in places like Pittsburgh. Yeah, okay, great. I, You know, we made the playoffs one year and then get slaughtered by the Dodgers. I, it, is that better? I, I mean, maybe marginally, uh, but I, it's not going to change what we ultimately want here in Pittsburgh, is it? I can't see how it would. I, I think we need to. You know? I think we need to. Maybe, maybe that's something we need to talk a little more broadly about. Is what is this really going to do to the league? I mean, is this going to change anything? Is this does this change tanking? Does mm-hmm. this change uh, the types of teams that are in it? Does this change how teams approach this altogether? For me, my first thought is, boy, I think they created an awful lot of incentive to hover around five hundred. Mm-hmm. Get your ticket to the dance, and and you can probably be relatively competitive most of the time, you know, um, if if that's your goal. So, a team like the Pirates, I think they could maintain that, you yeah. know, at five hundred, like spending like say eighty to a hundred million. Yeah. I think they could do that pretty easily. Well, and to touch on your point too, if this was the playoff format heading into this year, the Philadelphia Phillies would have been a playoff team. Yeah. 82, 82 and 80, they would have been a playoff team. The Reds would have been a playoff team. And then you look at the American League, which I think this would have been fun for the American League this year. You would have had Tampa Bay, Houston, the White Sox, Boston, the Yankees, Toronto, and Seattle as the seven teams in the American League. That, yeah. so that, that it would have been a, a fun playoff, and all those teams were relatively high up there in the first mm-hmm. place in the American League. So that would have been a pretty so interesting. The, the AL East minus Baltimore versus everybody else. Pretty much. See, the thing <laughs> is, the thing is, if I'm, if I'm just honest and simplify this as much as possible, I'm going to dig the hell out of the extra playoff games. I'm going to enjoy watching it as a spectator. Well, yeah, and, but and, and I think – go ahead. Go ahead, Gary. I'll I think it cha- I think it changes the fabric of the league a little. I think, and, the, I think the trade deadline gets weird. I think there's going to be less teams that definitely want to move players and less teams that definitely want to get players. <coughs> so I think it, it completely changes the dynamic of that entire period of time. Now, moving players is going to be left to teams that literally just know they've got a guy that they have to get something for and they're going to move them regardless of what it does to them in this 500 area contention thing Mm -hmm. and and let's let's put it right back to the pirates okay so let's put them in this situation all right they're let's say they're hovering around 500 what does it really change for them that that year that 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 you're in with them being at that point you know i i don't i don't think it changes a lot i don't think it makes them go out and make big moves i think if anything it allows them to sit and stand pat. There's no real reason to make any big moves. You can still hope to get in. And ownership like the Pirates, let's face it, doesn't that line up with how they're going to want to operate anyway? 
Um, so I, you know, I think it encourages teams to um, even be more conservative when they get to those points. I don't, I don't know that it 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 changes what certain teams are going to want to do anyway, whether you're talking bottom half the league or top half of the league, I think their approach stays the same. I mean, I think if you're floating right down the middle and you're okay with that and you know, you're never going to spend like the top guys can spend, then I think you're right. It probably doesn't change anything for you. If anything, you're comfortable just riding. But if you're a team that will spend at times, like to get to a peak like Detroit, for instance, like they will spend when they have to. They'll go up to mm-hmm. two hundred if they have to. Um, but it might give them incentive to do that at a different time. Yeah, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and there'll be a few not... teams that really that really could that really could use it to their advantage. You know who I think this benefits a lot: the Chicago Cubs. Right now, like right now with the moves they made before the lockout and then saying, oh, cool, we have a incentive to spend money to make the playoffs in Chicago. I mean, and they have that money available after all those moves. That's a team that that incentivizes. But I see your point as well, where you're saying, yeah, like teams like Pittsburgh, teams like Cleveland, Kansas City are going to probably remain more like conservative. But those teams that are going to spend more and want to spend more, don't have that incentive now, but now do have that incentive, especially as you mentioned already at the trade deadline with those teams that are going to say, okay, we're 40 games under 500. There's no way in hell we make the playoffs. Yeah. So like James, you know, you're sitting there in, in playoff contention at the all-star at the, uh, at the uh, trade deadline. And your team is like what? 43 and, and 47. That's playoff contention. Right. What's my payroll? What payroll? Let's. I don't know. Say you're a team that spends about twenty million more than you are right now, at the time. Okay. Do you do you go and make that move, or do you just kind of sit there because you're kind of in contention right now? Or you're not a seller at that point. I can't say you're a hard and fast buyer. What was the Braves? How does this affect the the trade deadline? Oh, they were like eight games under. Yeah, so I mean it I mean it shows it can be done. So I mean I mean if I have twenty million dollars to spend and I can get a couple good pieces, yeah, I mean I'll make a push because the I mean I've seen it happen. I've seen teams but does seen the playoff the structure make that I saw the more or less like the Nats, weren't the Nationals like under or at the all star break, they were dragging the year they won the championship. I mean it's it's been done. So why not us? Right. It has been done. Does the new playoff structure change that at all? Because I, I think, think, I, I think let's, say was... there's, let's say there's two teams that are surefire sellers as opposed to Why last year there were as opposed to last year there were about four or five yes. that were surefire sellers. Right? I think that they're, they get better returns for their players because there's more teams that I think will be competitive and less teams that actually can buy. Right. Yeah. I mean, Schultz Ford's going to have less sales next month because he's got less cars, not because there's less people that want them. But if there's less, (laughs) if there's less cars on the market, those cars prices go up. I mean, so yeah, let's say in two years, the pirates got Reynolds sitting there, non-extended. And there's all these teams in the playoff hunt. His price goes up in my eyes. 
Yeah, what if they're in the playoff hunt again? Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about. Well, Ethan, that's that's a good one for you. What do, what would you do then? You know, you're in the playoff hunt now, technically, but you're under 500. You know, your team's not good, but you also know the playoffs. That carrot's hanging right there. Yeah, that number I mean, seven spot looks juicy. Yeah, not I if mean, you trade Reynolds. Yeah, if you trade Reynolds, then you're just punting it. But it's also if you keep them, you're you're giving yourself the idea that it can happen. And then how do you, and that also moving past the trade deadline, how does this affect the moves that you make in the offseason saying if you were the eight seed? So you were one spot off of the playoffs and you go into the offseason and you're like, well, if we make move A, move B, and move C, we can move up one or two or maybe even three spots. I yeah, mean, that- I mean it's, it's definitely makes, makes things interesting. I will say that it creates a lot of conversation. Like even right now we're making up fake scenarios for what, for what could happen. Well, that's going to be interesting fodder every year, I think. So if, if you're looking for like just interest, that's probably not a bad thing from the league. No. Now, as far as yeah. like calling other teams out, to me, that's a little weird. I don't, I don't know that I want to see that. I love it. Yeah, I'd let's rather just – Let's just touch on that them. just one more one more minute here because to me it just is it just seems hokey, you know. Like it just sounds so gimmicky, and um, you know, I I, I I take baseball seriously. It may it may be too seriously if you if you ask anybody that knows me all that well. But um, I just feel like uh, it it's done to generate this like um, hot takey. uh, This is how we want to try to package and market the game to, to younger people. Maybe Ethan, maybe you can speak to that because I mean, how does that sound to you or to people your age that do follow it? Because, you know, to me, it sounds gimmicky. I mean, it's definitely gimmicky, but I also think it definitely speaks to social media interaction as well. I mean, can you imagine, say, the Yankees get the number one seed and then they go out there and they're like, hey, uh, Tampa Bay, come here. Like, that's literally what it sounds like is it's like, hey, come here. And what does that tell Tampa Bay fans? It's like, okay, well, one, we have the chip on our shoulder already because they willingly chose to play us. And two, the Yankees fans are going to be like, oh, well, we're going to beat the crap out of you because that's why we chose you in the first place. So, and, it's like, and You know Manfred would be sitting in a wet spot if the Yankees ever called out Boston. Right? Yeah, and, yeah, you know, like, exactly. <laughs> Could you imagine what Twitter would be like that night if like the yeah. Los Angeles Dodgers call out the Padres or like the Giants? Just call them out. Like literally no, no hesitation. They just say, hey, yeah, we want to play San Diego. <laughs> it, I, I mean, mean it's, it's interesting. It's it's definitely hokey, but I mean, is it as hokey as the NFL bringing out uh, the rock to at the, I mean, it's every, but he's not, the rock's not going to play in the game though. So that's what I would love to see even more. That's what I would love to see even more as well as like the Dodgers bring out Joe Kelly back when he was on the Dodgers and like, Oh yeah, we want to play you and John and John or Joe Kelly is the guy doing it or like a just naturally hated player. Like, could you imagine if this was a thing in hockey and the Bruins had the choice to choose and Brad Marchand chooses to play you? Like, that'd be great. Or it'd be phenomenal. Guess, like, uh, the Red Sox had yeah. Pedro come and call out the Yankees. Or Yeah, like, imagine that. Like, I just, now, is there any way we escape Mad Dog being involved in this? No. Is there any no. way we escape that? No, because I th- I just picture him screaming into the microphone like a wrestling promoter while this is going on, 
and it, I don't think I can deal. That that's 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 where, <laughs> in my mind, it heads to immediately. Is it's uh, the Dodger or the yeah, the Dodgers going to announce their their um their opponent, and all of a sudden you hear, <laughs> by God, that's that's Bob Nutting's music, <laughs> and, he, and here he comes running out off the side. Yeah, it's like, or, <laughs> if we get to that point, um, okay, well then I just do you think so? Do you think that maybe they'll start doing them like gender reveals? We'll have like exploding cakes like in a parking well, lot. Well, and like to speak on another sport that we haven't touched on yet, the NBA, you've seen they've done really well with televising the All-Star Game draft because they do a draft now. So they just have right. two guys sit there and pick the teams. And that's been really, really well put together. And I think they could do something like that where you just have a representative of the three teams that get to choose the teams that they play. And and then you just have fun with it from there. Like you could just make fun of it. Like you could do whatever you want to do. Maybe maybe a team comes out with a plinko board with the teams on there, and they just drop the plinko board and let the plinko decide where they go. So you're basically saying like you're completely cool with this just being a fun thing. You don't yeah, care it's a about fun like- thing. Like I said, it's fun until the Pirates pick the Cardinals and then they lose to the Cardinals <laughs> in two games. So like- That's a great point. It really is until until somebody uh, overanalyzes what's going to happen. Gonna do yep. something like that. Or yeah. somebody will go. Our team's way better against uh, right-handed pitching. These yeah, guys have yeah. four lefties. We're- yeah, we're going to do that, and then the lefties are going to come out and pitch sixteen combined scoreless innings with like four right. hits combined, and it's going to be ridiculous. It's well, gimmicky. Let, 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 me, let me at least. Yeah, it, it, let me at least bring it back to a serious note on just the expanded playoff format. What would be interesting to do, and and I'll have to uh, trust me, I've got a little bit of spare time right now. Um, I will probably take a look at like the last three four years in baseball with this expanded playoff format, and just see where all these teams might have been around the trade deadline, and see how yeah. many teams that would have involved because that's where it would really get interesting. Give, giving yourself like a, a a sample size that's enough to say, okay, this is what we would be looking at. Does that look right? Um, you know, it, or or are we talking teams that you just don't want to see anywhere near the playoffs? So that, we're, I mean, we're talking like if 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 there's an expanded <laughs> playoff like that, it makes the trade deadline interesting for a whole lot of reasons. It makes the regular season interesting for a whole lot of reasons because what if you have a really tough schedule up front and like you know, like you got you took it in the can like that first two three months of the season, and you know that it's going to ease up as you continue on. Mm-hmm. Like it makes you think a lot differently about that stuff because maybe some in the past you would have considered yourself out of it and now uh, maybe maybe I can add a player and, and take advantage of this schedule and I'm in it yeah and I mean to, to speak on Jim's point too like you said to take a sample size it's 2022 go back to 2018 even the Pirates would have been a playoff team under this format they were the seven seed at 82 and 79 okay. or 80 okay. yeah they were 82 and 79. Oh there man! Now we now we're talking repercussions like Huntington's still here. Yeah, I mean <laughs> so, maybe you don't just make the Chris Archer deal. Maybe but that's you make really interesting. Deal. I mean, you know, and maybe in in Pittsburgh that placates people enough. I don't know. Maybe it interests them a little bit. Yeah, as long as the team is like not in the full depths of teardown. Yeah, there's probably a shot, which I think at, at least makes some people feel a little better. Now, a shot to get your feet wet, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, 
that we, we'll still have a little bit of an inequity issue there. But I feel like I got to read Yark's comment because he he went out of his way to make sure that I saw how he felt on this subject. It says uh, Yark. He's he's third person now, Jim. That's what we did to him with one episode. Oh man, he went straight to his head. Yeah, literally says it. I mean, it it probably grew so fast that he now looks like James. <laughs> Hair is just gone. So. Says Yark is pro expanded playoffs, but also wants a bunch of other stuff with it. <laughs> he'd like, but he'd like to drop regular season games. This is his serious point, though. He wants to drop the regular season games to one forty four or one fifty four until there's an expansion. Well, yeah, because you got to think you're not even going to have Mister October anymore. It's going to be Mister November. You're going to have games spill into the middle of November in cold-weather cities like Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. I mean, any cold-weather city like New York, for example, you're going to be playing games in the snow. You're going to have a snow delay. I don't disagree with that with with Yark at all there. I actually do think that's something that they should consider if they're going to do that. But, James, you and I know as well as anybody that the players get paid in the regular season. So they're not going to be paid by the regular games. By the game. But uh, regardless, Yark's not wrong. Season's going to get crazy long. So that's probably the last thing we should talk about. Are we okay with the season getting that much longer, and how do they combat that? Do they start earlier? Do you know how to, what do you do? Can't start much earlier than March. You know, that's... I mean, what yeah, immediately yeah. came to my head was take down spring training because we already talk about spring uh, spring training being too long start at the spring training the same time you normally would and then only have like maybe two or three weeks and then start in the middle of March because then you're not dipping into November as much. I think that's like an immediate thing that you could probably do or like a keep like, the invites down and the split yeah. squads away and just play a couple weeks. But other than going. that, I mean, it, it gets wonky. It gets really wonky because you, it's either start early and end early or cut games because yeah, but like you couldn't have – for instance, Detroit and Pittsburgh having opening, and, or in Cincinnati for that matter, having opening day in on March 14th. Yeah, Colorado. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> very real possibility it's snowing. Yep. And that's not great either. So, I mean, it's something to consider, Jim. I mean, you can't the have Rockies this going Christmas in, either. The Rockies it, playing in two foot of snow, and yeah, the Rockies. And and, and let me say this: I don't know if you guys have ever played baseball in cold weather or even just sat in a game okay so man it it is absolutely miserable and james has done stuff in the south china sea he knows what's up (laughs) i i I mean it is miserable so i i don't know i don't know how you fit all those games into the schedule do you do some more seven inning double headers along the way to make up for it i don't know yeah, I wonder actually if if you don't reduce the games, I wonder if it makes the regular season less important in the first place. So there there are some some things there that I kind of wish they would address along with this. And to be fair, we don't know any more than what I read to you at the beginning. But I have a feeling it's going to come up a lot. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. But hey, guys, great great talk today. I really enjoyed it, and uh, honestly, I don't begrudge Juan Soto just in case it came across that way at the beginning. I just wanted to have a conversation about the whole thing and couldn't pick a better group of guys to do that. It was a really good talk today. So, uh, James, people can get a hold of you. How, sir? Twitter, at jlittleton42. 
Sorry. Jim's sorry got me hooked, that, by the way. <laughs> we got James, man. When, when this first started, he was like all Facebook, yeah. and now he's just – the first there. word out of his mouth is Twitter. I love it. <laughs> so, Ethan, how do people get a hold of you besides checking out your show, The uh, Pirates, Locked On Pirates, on the Locked On Network is what I meant to say. Uh, you guys could follow me on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan. Of course, he already plugged Locked on Pirates. It's at Locked on Pirates. Uh, right now, the name is Locked Out Pirates and is staying that way until we are no longer locked out of baseball. <laughs> uh, for all of my loyal viewers who are here, uh, some of you just saw that, apparently, which tells me you don't look at the Twitter enough. So uh, go do that somewhere. <laughs> and uh, Jim, how's everything going for you? Pittsburgh all the time. What's up? 20. 20- 24-7. Yeah, that's me. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at um, uh, for the city underscore 412 or at JimStam22. And I told you at the beginning this was going to be a good good crew. And, man, this was great, guys. Good job. Yeah, good stuff, everybody. Really had a good talk. And, yeah, the CBA, I, th- I think they're, they're taking a couple steps backward. I expect it to start looking a little bit uglier before it looks good, especially it's going to become very inevitable here in about a week that they're definitely going to have to miss the beginning of the season. Once that happens, a lot of the anger is going to really boil up. So just be looking for some extra passion the next week or so, and we'll be here to talk about it. Until then, Ben, take it away. Yes, your butt!